0: everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazepa, and this is a South Asian interracial relationship and lifestyle podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Alrighty, everybody. So my guest this week is Lisa Mangaldas. She is based in India, and she is basically like a digital creator of sex-related content for South Asians. This is a very broad conversation around sex and shame-related to sex and orgasms and masturbation and just... General pleasure. So I hope you guys enjoy it. She also does a Hindi podcast about sex is called the sex podcast by Lisa, which is linked in the show notes. But if you guys want more like in depth sex ed or just conversations around the topic, check out her Instagram page. She does an amazing job creating content that covers a huge variety of sex related topics. It is also linked in the show notes and yeah, this conversation we cover a broad range of topics related to sex, such as masturbation, orgasms, sex toys, self pleasure, all of that stuff that none of your brown parents talked to you about. And that includes me. So they didn't talk to me about it either. So hopefully, for those of you who are maybe new to the realm of sex, or maybe you've been in the game for a while, this gives you a little bit of comfort around talking about the subject with either your partner or with somebody in your life. Um, The only technical issue I had was for some reason my microphone wasn't recording during like our little recording session so my laptop's built-in microphone did so the sound quality on my end is a little bit less than ideal but it doesn't take away from the substance of the conversation but I figured I'd give you guys a little heads up. So let's get to it. Hi, everybody. We're here with Lisa, and we are doing what has been requested about a million times to do a podcast about sex and South Asian culture and all of that. So, Lisa, tell us who you are.
1: Hey, so my name is Lisa Mandodas, and I am a sex positive content creator based out of India. I create sex education sort of videos and reels and I have a podcast as well uh, because there's no sex education in India. And as a young person navigating my own sexuality and sexual health, I just felt like I wished I had had some resources. And since they weren't there, I thought I'd create them. Um, and I'm really grateful that people seem to see value in the content I make and that the community has really grown. and Yeah, I mean, that's how you found me as well, I guess. The power of the internet.
0: Yeah, shout out to Instagram. I found some really amazing women through Instagram and TikTok. And you are one of them. I was going through your page and a few people had suggested I reach out to you. um, And I will shoot my shot with just about everybody. So I was like, let me just reach out. Let me just see what she has to say. And so I'm really glad you did get back to me. But I've learned so much from your page and so much of it resonates because even though... I'm here in the U.S. and I grew up here. All of our parents are still very much still not talking about sex, not educating about sex and definitely not ready to like have an open discussion about it, leaving a lot of especially women kind of at a loss and like not sure what how to navigate any of it. And so that's really why I wanted to have you on.
1: Thank you. I feel really lucky that my parents actually um, did create an environment where it felt safe and okay to ask about sex or relationships or sexual health or just any question really about the body or anything. Like, I, I'm really grateful in my own home. There was never a sense of, like, this is bad or shameful or or these questions cannot be asked. But I do think there's such a prevalent cultural sort of, like, stigma attached to particularly women sort of um, having any sexual autonomy or agency that just my parents aren't a big enough force in the larger scheme of things to have mitigated shame entirely. But I do think it's a huge privilege to have that family support because it would be so much harder for me to talk about sex on the internet publicly if my own family wasn't okay with that, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. And so many of us didn't get that talk. So many of us had to find out what sex was through either friends if you went to school and they talked about it or porn or just random like tunnels on the internet you found yourself or you end up in a relationship and then somehow you're kind of at the mercy of whoever you're dating to explain sex to you which is like the most horrifically like, awkward situation to end up in um so For those that are listening who maybe haven't had the talk, can you just give us, like, a really brief, really quick summary of, like, sex ed that you would want people to know?
1: Oh, my gosh. I don't think it's a quick or brief thing, though. You know, I think that the big (laughs) – how can I give you the talk in five seconds? No, impossible. I actually think – that even parents should not think of the talk as a one-time thing. It isn't the talk which you just give on, you know, your kid's 18th birthday or something reluctantly telling them that like penis and vagina make babies. I don't know. I don't even know what people, what the talk looks like, but it tends to be very heteronormative. It tends to be reluctantly given. It tends to be like, you know, abstinence or fear and shame based, as opposed to, um, an ongoing conversation that can actually start when your kids are really young for example by simply teaching them the anatomically correct names for their body parts you know to this day parents will tell their kids like either a euphemism for the genitals like choo-choo or no no or something or something that's still pretty common in india is for parents to tell the kids that like that is shame shame yes That is like the name for a vulva or a penis, shame, shame. I mean, what's that going to do to how you view that part of your body, right? If you're like at three years old, you're being told that's shame, shame. So it's funny, but we can start um, being sort of judgment-free and scientifically accurate in our communications about the body or anything to do with... Um, you know, I mean, I think people are very uncomfortable with the idea of children and talking about sex, but I'm not saying that anything has to be non-age appropriate. You know, I think it is age appropriate to tell your child that this is a vulva as opposed to telling them something completely either false or euphemistic or, I mean, literally shame laden, right? Um, And then as as, uh, people sort of grow up there's so many opportunities to have conversations around whatever it is that the person might be curious about you know I mean even most most parents if they like walk in on their child masturbating or something there's going to be like huge consequences they might beat up the child or you know they'd be grounded or like have some sort of really awkward and again shameful interaction as opposed to just being like oops sorry Um, Lock the door next time and, you know, make sure you only do this in private based on how young the child is and if they don't know that it's something that should only be done in private. You know what I mean? Like there's so many opportunities to actually take out the shame, normalize, make home feel like a safe place because where else should I mean, wouldn't you rather your child be able to come to a trusted source for information or for awkward moments to happen at home as opposed to somewhere else where it's much less safe and where you know people are less invested in their well-being.
0: You make a really good point about like this idea of shame surrounding everything related to sex. And I remember growing up, I don't think I've ever even heard my parents utter the word sex. Like I think they like awkwardly like beat around the bush and you like you said you're right. It's a lifelong conversation because it does start when like you start having those urges and feelings and like, what are you supposed to do with it? And you're right, like it shouldn't be happening in some random like bar, you figuring out what a penis is, like in the bathroom in the back, like it should be happening at home and like in a safer space where you can ask those questions. And I think ultimately all it has led to is a bunch of South Asian kids, mostly women who just like, don't know how to talk about sex, feel like they're inexperienced in sex, especially living in the U.S. that is like a very sex-forward culture. And even in white families in the U.S.,
1: I feel that there's a lot... To that, like, like I feel it's tempting to think of like India and South Asians as particularly backward or something when it comes to these things. But actually, I think the whole world is like way behind where it needs to be. You know?
0: Yeah, and you are absolutely right. There are lots of very conservative, conservative folks here in the U.S. and the, all of that. But then at the same time, because like you said, nobody's talking about it. It's not like only brown parents aren't talking about it. All the Just as a society, we're not open about, like, who's having sex and what age people are having sex and, like, not just that, but, like, exploring in general. And then everyone ends up siloed. So, like... All I know is the brown girl experience, which I know so many of them who hit college and they've never had sex, but then they're dating outside of their culture and all of those men or women have had sex. So now you're the awkward virgin in the room and now you're trying to have this conversation with someone that you're trying to be intimate with. But like, when's a good time to talk about this? It's never a good time. And then, you know, and then you go to like, if you're here in the US and you go to college frat parties, again, it's like hormones everywhere and then how comfortable are you on your scale of like levels of being intimate with someone or are you not comfortable at all or are you so inexperienced because you know your family raised you in like girls are virgins forever until you're married and then you graduate college and everyone wants you to have a husband and it's very confusing because they don't want you to date either and so it's just all over the place here and Even within the South Asian community, like, if you were in high school and you did have a boyfriend or someone found out you hooked up with the boy, you were shamed for that by all the brown girls. This is coming from the girl who had no brown friends in school because she was considered whitewashed. And... You, I would see it happen, which is where I, like, didn't feel like I needed to hang out with these people. But then also realizing all of you are dating people. All of you are hooking up with people, which also gave me the validation to be like, you know what? I can have a boyfriend. I can date. I just don't have to tell my parents. And that's just what it's going to be. But, like, then there were, it was also the crowd that was, like, they never even entertained the idea of boys or girls or dating until they got to college. But then when you get to college, you realize half of the room has already been exploring their bodies and the other half has no idea. And we just don't know how to like cross that bridge.
1: I think that like as opposed to attaching a value judgment of like cool or not cool or loser or slut or whatever it is that we we tend to end up attaching, especially to women. I feel like with women, there's no winning. You know, if you're sexual, you're a slut. If you're not, you're prude. You know, there's like... Um, I don't there's know. There's no winning. There's, there's literally <laughs> no winning. Yeah. But I think we, it would be so nice, wouldn't it, if we could be open and honest about where we're at in our own journeys without fearing judgment or comparison or like, you know, feeling like there's something wrong with us. I mean, as a sex educator, the overarching question I receive, like if I were to break down all the questions I get into one big overarching question, it is, am I normal? You know, like, is my body normal? Oh, my. Are my experiences normal? Are my desires normal? Is my penis normal? Are my boobs normal? Like, am I normal? Is the is the overarching concern. And doesn't that speak to the fact that like societies globally make young people and actually all people feel like their body and sexuality isn't that anything to do yeah. with the body and sexuality is like not normal, which is crazy. Like, like we're, we're all people. inadequate exactly. somehow.
0: Yeah, the inadequacy feeling, like you said, is definitely across the board. Um, So as you said, pretty much everyone falls somewhere on that spectrum of where they land in terms of sexuality and the way they feel about it. How one thing that a lot of us, once you like kind of get to that college age reach is having to have that conversation with a partner. Do you have any advice for listeners who maybe haven't had the discussion of intimacy with their partner and how to maybe navigate that?
1: Uh, I think it's it's actually um, quite ironic that that having sex can sometimes be easier than talking about it. Like many people are able or in relationships or whatever it is where they're physically intimate with a partner and yet aren't entirely comfortable talking about like what that experience felt like or what they want or what felt good and what didn't or like even something like negotiating the use of contraception can feel like an awkward conversation it's a funny thing where even if you're physically intimate with this person somehow talking about it in our shame-laden culture is like difficult still you know many people find it incredibly hard to have an honest conversation with their partner, especially if there's things they'd like to change about how it's going. And I feel like women in particular don't feel um, comfortable often giving feedback to a male partner. If there's something that isn't quite how they'd like, I mean, you know, if there's something they want to change about the sex they're having it, maybe it goes both ways. I don't mean to isolate men from the conversation and I don't mean to also not take into consideration these com- uh, these conversations within a queer relationship or any kind of relationship, but I think there's definitely a gendered aspect that can make this type of communication particularly hard for straight women. Um, but I think we need to we need to have these conversations. I hope that both as partners, uh, as well as you know, just as sort of individuals, I mean, I think we owe it to ourselves to be assertive and we also owe it to our partners to listen and to be responsive, sort of be, 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 what's the word? Responsive. Responsive, I suppose, or to at least, I mean, I think it would be great if we could all take our egos out of it and and be open to feedback and to create, a, create an environment where your partner feels like they can talk to you, right? If both parties are able to do that, half the time, like you don't say things on your on your mind because you worry how the other person will react. So if you can create this environment together where neither party feels like they have to worry if they tell you something, I mean, shouldn't it be? Shouldn't you be grateful that this person is honoring their own boundaries? That this person is, you know, telling you honestly how they feel instead of going along with something that they don't want to do. I mean, I would hate to be having a sexual experience with someone that they don't want to be having and that they're having to please me or because they're scared to hurt me or something, right?
0: Yeah, and I think like with movies and TV, there's also this precedent that like, it's always hot and steamy right from the start. And if it's not, something's wrong with either yourself or the other person. And it's, I think, an extremely unrealistic bar to set Because then how do you have that conversation if the first time you're intimate with someone, it isn't like you're on cloud nine the entire time?
1: Yeah, movies definitely set some pretty um, unrealistic expectations, I think. I mean, even simultaneous orgasms, you know, suddenly in the movies, it's like they're both just the the magical moment, just both moaning and it's amazing and they both come. That's hardly ever how it works, right? Um, so, I mean, you know, you've got to, I guess with movies, with a lot of mainstream porn, with most of pop culture, like you've got to remember that this is like a heavily produced piece of media where professionals are being paid to just do a job and, you know, they have a whole team making them look the way they do. There's like 50 other people in the room. There's sound editing. There's like, you know, it's not real. Um, but I, I, but I do think that sex can get better. I think people definitely, um, inherit this idea. I even had this idea that like sex is a skill, like that you are just born like, you know, you have to just be good at it. Like from day one, some kind of thing that you're going to be naturally gifted at, like good, like a good lover, either you are one or you're not one, you know, but I think it's couldn't be further from the truth. It's a, it's like anything else. I think you can get better at sex. You can get better at love as well. I feel like both these things actually are, um, you know, something that you have to put in the work and be invested in getting better at in order to get, get it better at, as opposed to thinking of them as some God-given gift that you're just going to automatically be great at relationships and great at sex. No, I mean, it, you know, it helps to get to know your body and get to know your own personality as well and understand, even if you're not, when I say practice, you know, I'm not going to like, telling everybody go have lots of sex some people might not be into that. I never want sex positivity to ever be construed as some sort of like rallying call to go have lots of sex. You know, you can be asexual and still be sex positive, right? It's just about not being um, sort of negative and judgmental and sh- and. Sh- Shame laden in your approach to sex. It isn't about having a particular amount of sex or or having sex at all.
0: What is what advice do you have for people who maybe have never explored masturbating, um, and how maybe they can get more comfortable with their own bodies? Because when you are raised with so much shame around your, especially as a woman, around your own body, like that's a huge mental barrier to sexual pleasure and it can be really hard to overcome.
1: Absolutely. I myself was so late to the masturbation game. I, I can't believe how late I was. I'm 31 now. And I feel like ours was, I don't know how old you are, but um, I'm 29. Okay. So I would say like we're roughly the same generation, but at least in India, I think uh, mine was one of the last generations to grow up without a smartphone. Like, I did not watch porn as a teenager. Yeah. I did not have Instagram. I didn't have a smartphone until I was at least 18 or 19 years old, I think. Um, yeah, Or maybe even 20. I can't remember exactly. But I feel like we had even less access to the vocabulary or ideology around, like, sex positivity or pleasure. Or a lot of the stuff that's now much more accessible on, let's say, social media mm-hmm. or something it was totally alien to, like, my friends and I as teenagers masturbation was not something any of us talked about and I mean even if some people might have been doing it it was presented as if it was like this active you know like like only boys do it or losers do it like if you're having sex why would you masturbate Mm -hmm. It's like this activity for lonely people or men, or it's some sort of silly, frivolous thing. It wasn't spoken of as an empowering activity, a a gateway to sexual self-knowledge, you know, particularly for people with vulvas. Like that whole view of self-pleasure wasn't even, I don't think we even ever heard the term self-pleasure. The word masturbation had like this really crude and silly, frivolous, like teenage bro kind of um, yeah. aura around it. And somehow, even though I was sexually active by 18 or 19, I hadn't masturbated. I feel like I was sexually active for about six or seven years. I don't know. It was like 25 or 26 when as a joke, a friend of mine, um, insisted that I order a vibrator. Actually, she, she was bisexual and she had been dating a woman for a long time. And then they broke up and she was like, you know, I'm just going to go on a dating app and date some men. It's been so long. And then she was um, reporting back after a few dates with men. And she was like, Lisa, how do you straight girls do it, man? I forgot how much men need to be schooled. This is no fun at all. I'm just going to go home and play with my vibrator. And I was like, vibrator? You know, it's not easy to get vibrators in India. And she was, she was actually not from India, but she was working in India and had one from her hometown or whatever. And so she was like, you don't have one. And Anyway, we Googled how to buy a vibrator in India. It wasn't so easy five years ago. It's easier now. And we ordered one and literally like using that toy, even though I was bought as a joke and we were just laughing, I didn't know that I didn't know, you know, until I used that toy, how much pleasure um, the body is capable of experiencing and how misleading some of the ideas we inherit around what heterosexual sex should look like and, you know, what should feel pleasurable, this like overemphasis on penetration, which is not very effective as a route to orgasm for most people with vulvas. Um, You know, we didn't, I mean, I didn't have any of the vocabulary or understanding from like a sex educator's perspective until I taught it to myself. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like we are definitely... Uh, Getting the short end of the stick as women often when it comes to any of this. It's like sex and pleasure aren't even things we're entitled to, you know, that like it's not our Mm -hmm. domain even. And with masturbation, I definitely felt like that as if this wasn't really something for me.
0: For sure. And like even like you said, like being a woman and like thinking that sex is something you could crave or want or seek out is never talked about it's we're always like the coy quiet ones and like men are always out there trying to get some and i'm like mm. i remember going i don't know yeah me too. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that's right sex toys if you guys don't have one get some yes i'm a big fan. I highly recommend um and especially on the topic of with sex toys one of the reasons the topic even comes up sometimes is orgasms like Women have a really hard time orgasming and when you have a mindset of shame around sex and masturbating and maybe you've never masturbated having an orgasm is so hard for like a lot of people you know
1: i think it's um more to do with the penetration centric scripts we're fed about what sex should look mm-hmm. like yeah. than about any inherent like flaw In our bodies. And a vibrator will show you that, right? I mean, I orgasm
0: in like three minutes with my vibrator every time. The sex toys are a whole different thing. And like you can incorporate that. Like you can incorporate that into your own time with your partner. It doesn't just have to be like a solo thing exactly but also
1: i feel like there are things you can do with a partner once you understand your own pleasure that are more likely to yield fruitful results i just think that most of us come into our first sexual experiences and but this is particularly true of, of like straight men thinking that thrusting a penis into a vagina is sex like that is sex and everything else is not sex you know at the most it's optional foreplay like oral sex or fingering or kissing or anything else is is somehow less legitimate than the real deal, which is a penis in a vagina, like boom, you know? And I feel like what if we thought, for example, that uh, focused and consistent stimulation of the clitoris was also just as valid, as, a, as, as legitimate and as essential to ha- to the you know, criteria of like having sex for straight people as putting a penis into a vagina. Maybe we'd all be having more orgasms, right? If they spent like a huge amount of time <laughs> paying as much attention to the clitoris as we're taught to pay attention to the penis, sex would be more satisfying for straight women as well. But that's not what we learn at all, right? The clitoris is like this afterthought, if it's even something people know about at all. So many people still to this date will write to me like, you know, what is the clitoris? Where is the clitoris? Even though this is information you can easily find online in 2022, they still think it is a message they should be sending a sex educator as opposed to doing a simple Google search, which which indicates just how little they've heard about it so far, right? with such a penis and penetration-centric view of what sex should look like, and that is not going to be pleasurable for people with vulvas, right? I mean, most majority of people with vulvas require some amount of clitoral stimulation in order to achieve orgasm. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people will find that masturbation yields orgasms more easily than partnered sex for that reason, because maybe you've already figured out your pleasure, but it's harder to... Sh- sort of get your partner to recognize that unless you explicitly tell them. So tell them. First, figure out what works for you and then tell them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, and there are positions that lend themselves to, I'm not saying penetration is terrible or that it can never be enjoyable. Many people and many women also do enjoy penetrative sex. It can be quite enjoyable. But if you're paying attention to how clitoral stimulation can occur alongside penetration, it's likely to be even more enjoyable. Or if you're like preceding the penetration with a lot of fun clitoral and, um, you know, and other sort of stuff instead of thinking only of penetration as like the real deal and the main event it's likely to be more fun so I think there's so much we can do to make our sexual experiences more fulfilling for everybody if we just talk about it and stop to think about it instead of just doing what we've been told by this you know like larger force that's patriarchy and pop culture and I don't know a lot of bullshit like just throw out what you think you know you know
0: Yeah, and that takes a lot of vulnerability, and it can be really uncomfortable, especially if it's not something you've talked about before, or maybe you're not with someone who you feel comfortable with, and that's where I've always said it a million times on this show, like, having a group of, like, strong, supportive, like, women in your life will always get you farther than any guy ever has, and, like, maybe that makes me a hater, but That's how I feel because so much of the things we're talking about, I didn't learn from a partner. They weren't things that I grew from with a partner. It was the other people in my life that I surround myself with. And to get past things like the guilt and the shame and all of that around sex, like you have to, like you said, like talk about it. And if we live in a patriarchal society and your partner is a dude, like, chances are they're not going to be the person to like really help you overcome these things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wish for any men listening, I feel like we need to, you know, um, hold men to a higher standard. Like be better. Don't judge women for being sexual or assertive. I mean, create a safe space where you're, if you're with a woman, where she can give you feedback and you'll be receptive to it. Like be okay with hearing no. I don't know. I feel like there's so many things that actually the
0: bar is so low for men yeah,
1: and and but you know i mean when you're a straight woman you're attracted to this like set of the population that you also despise that's a terrible conundrum to be in i want to be able to wholeheartedly <laughs> love men not <laughs> desire this like group of people who i also think are trash you know so i think that men can do so much actually to be an incredibly powerful positive force in the sexual journeys of the women in their life because to this day still and particularly in India unfortunately men control a lot of the access like it has to be the man who goes and buys the condoms because it's mortifying to go buy condoms in a pharmacy even for a man let alone for a woman it might even be unsafe in some places you know or like if there's a household and the the woman has to go to a gynecologist it's likely that a man will have to drive her there you know or like accompany her on public transportation or whatever it is. We're still operating in this like incredibly gender unequal society where access to sexual and reproductive health and rights services even is very hard for women to to get to alone. And so men really stand to play a very important role in facilitating that access and in like even with with regard to information around pleasure, you know, I have a YouTube channel too. And unlike Instagram, YouTube is search driven, right? Like somebody has to, might be Googling uh, how do women have orgasms or whatever and stumble upon one of my videos. Unlike Instagram, which is just throwing stuff at you, right? So it's really interesting, but so often the gender divide on the videos on YouTube is so skewed towards men, even though the information is very much um, often geared towards women, if that makes sense. Like more men feel entitled to knowledge about orgasms than women do. More men also have internet access. But I mean, I feel like we're still dealing with such a gender unequal paradigm where most women, at least in India, I'm only speaking from my own experience, and I don't mean to generalize, I'm sure like in some of the I don't know, let's say in Sweden or something, maybe gender equality has progressed far beyond. But I still think to a large extent, most places still reek of the patriarchy. Like it's very much there, even in the most seemingly developed places. It's just the better at being politically correct. Men are trash and the patriarchy is alive. Okay. But I believe they have the potential not to be. I really do believe that. I do believe, I believe men are capable of better. Mm -hmm. I'm very optimistic.
0: Um, Yeah. Because I think- And to that point- I feel like if we empowered more men to be open to like hearing feedback and being excited about like getting the person that you're with, like excited about having sex, like then we would have less of this sort of like women feeling like they can't have an orgasm or they can't tell someone what they like or be excited about sex as well. Yeah. I
1: think um, what I was saying earlier was that actually, um, you know, as a lover, you stand to play a very important role in your partner's sexual journey. Like when you have a skilled and invested and sort of kind and respectful and engaged and passionate partner, especially early on in your sexual experiences, that can be so formative in how you view sex or how you even see your own desire, like how desirable you are or your, your confidence. Everything actually can really be impacted in a positive way if you're, partner plays that role in your life you know and in a funny kind of way in our particularly in our cultural context because men have so much more freedom and access when it comes to expressing themselves sexually they actually stand to be I mean I wish it wasn't this way but it is this like entry point into sexual knowledge for women having their early sexual experiences with men you know what I mean it's typically that like he'll know more than she does even about I mean I feel like for many people if if your first sexual experiences with somebody who's had more experience than you your experience is going to be conditioned a little bit by their knowledge or lack of it or whatever it is you know so I feel like men actually stand to be able to play a really important role in almost enabling equal access. Do you know what I mean? It's a funny thing, but we we yeah. are literally socialized to not feel entitled to pleasure. So if you have a lover who like, you know, is extremely vociferous about wanting to give you oral sex before moving on to penetration. Or even <laughs> if penetration isn't part of the picture. That can be wonderful, right? Suddenly you feel like, okay, my pleasure matters, or, oh, like, we could do, like, this is sex too, or whatever it is, right? I'm not saying, I don't mean to infantilize women or say, like, we're clueless or anything, but the unfortunate reality is that to a large extent, men uh, have access to and end up consuming and I don't know, whatever, just allowed to consume sexual media or be out till later. Or, you know, they just have more access and freedom, especially here. A teenage Mm -hmm. boy has like a completely different rule book than a teenage girl. So he's likely to have already watched porn and have a mobile phone and go talk to friends and maybe watch some movie or do whatever. Whereas like she's like making dinner at home with a mom and like doing homework and has to be home before dark. And, you know, like the rules are just so different. The consequences are also so much more drastic. And I really Mm -hmm. think that it's the men that need to
0: wake up because... Yeah. And like step up, like show up. We're here. And like you said, like everywhere is modernizing more and more here I would say access to things like contraception and all of that is much more easier for women but again there's still so much shame and lack of education like even the simplest things like being told to go to a gynecologist like no one ever told me that Mm -hmm. no one told me that was something I should be doing found that out as an adult but like even something like that. And yes, women's health, we can get into that whole, that's its own disaster where like the solution is always birth control. But at least you can access it. Like if you wanted to go into a doctor's office and say like, I want birth control, they have every right to give it to you and your parents will never find out unless they like find the pills. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, they're never going to tell your parents. But our culture, like you said, has like infantilized women, like they treat boys like men at a certain age like oh he's an adult now they never do that to women you're a child until you get married and then you're your husband's property and you're i guess his child to take care of like you're never like your own person who can make your own decisions and your own choices and have your own needs and desires and that also continues here very much so um at least in south asian cultures like not all families are like that but a lot of them are so I feel like
1: the the, rather than blaming any one group or one ethnicity or one I don't know I feel like that these issues that are at a systemic level still so prevalent globally that really we all everyone whoever no matter where you're from no matter your gender we all can play a role in dismantling and unlearning and making things feel safer and more equal and more Mm -hmm. equitable you know because to some extent even if we're on the receiving end of oppression in our own way we are probably also perpetuating some oppressions i'm so aware of my own oh, yeah. caste privilege class privilege you know all of the even if i'm even if i have like the i don't know shorter end of the stick in the gender thing or the color thing you know what i mean there's this some, ways where you're experience, some places you're experiencing oppression and some places where you're actually perpetuating oppression based on the collection of identity markers that you have, it's likely that you participate in even though you experience in even if you're experiencing oppression. You know what I mean? So I feel like nobody is entirely off the hook. Like We have to be in it together and, and be committed to a more equal world together. I know that might sound cheesy, but
0: I really mean it what it when it comes to like this topic and almost like singling out the south Asians is because at least for us here there is a very specific experience that happens for us here that doesn't always translate to every other group like i can tell you of my group of girlfriends me i have had a very different experience especially in terms of like dating and relationships and sex than my friends and because we've had different experiences says I've been able to be more open about talking about sex and stuff, whereas I didn't get that from the South Asians in my life. It just wasn't something that you could talk about that was addressed. And so it left a lot to be desired in that department in terms of like exploring your own sexuality, talking about masturbation. And so if you could give any advice to those listening – that maybe are still not sure, like, how to explore masturbating or find their own, like, s- where they fall on the land of, like, sexual pleasure, what would it be?
1: You know, I think that there's definitely, I mean,
0: in the,
1: the, the, like, everybody knows the phrase, lo kya kahenge, right? And that is, um, unfortunately, a sort of psychology that plays a big role in the way. Uh, South Asian families tend to operate right it's like mm-hmm. you're more worried about what other people will think than about like whether your child is happy or not or whether they're really yep. you know things like that so I think we all to some extent get caught up in that and as when like this sort of pressure to be a good daughter a good wife a good the the, 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 the honor of the family is like pinned on on the women in the family yeah. right this is like exacerbated when it comes to if the girl does anything wrong wrong or bad or whatever and so it can be hard to like break away from this um kind of like pressure to be this you know i don't know person with no sexual desires at all because you can't be open about them and because your family has told you that it's wrong and bad and all of that and and it can also i suppose um almost end up having a lot of young South Asians end up having to have like a double life where they're like this one person with their parents and that this other person with their friends or when they leave the house or Mm -hmm. in secret, you know, and like they can't allow for that part to be an open part of their life, even if it's a very joyful part of their life. Let's say you secretly have a boyfriend or you're secretly having sex or you're secretly masturbating, even though you might really enjoy it, the fact that you have to do it in secret still does keep some of that fear and shame alive, right? Right. So I really wish that, I mean, families and parents and and like in general that it could, instead of it being only one-sided where only the young person is getting the tips on what to do, I wish that like we could also become more open at at least our generation. So many of my friends are like getting married and having kids. If you're going to have kids, you can choose not to be that type of parent, you know, like somewhere you have to stop passing on bullshit, (laughs) you know? So I think that we we can perhaps raise people slightly differently than we were raised and it has to start somewhere, right? Unfortunately, even though I'm sure, you know, even our parents were young and masturbating and having secret sex once, but suddenly then you're married and you're a parent and you fall into this role of how like this married parental person should think and behave. And it's so funny how the exact same things that you, you know, like didn't enjoy having to follow as a kid are the rules you end up like, putting forth for your own kids, right? It's funny how it's so hard to break away actually from these systems. But I really think we do need to remember that if and when we have families of our own. And I think that, um, I mean, you know, as far as exploring your own pleasure goes, I don't know, many people haven't done this, especially um, I think given the sort of reticence around these topics in some of our cultures, I think people, uh, women often quite late in life actually take a look at the valva, like with a hand mirror, sit down, take a look, get to know what's going on. Some people have never even done that, like well into their. Some people live their whole lives without doing that, you know, and because of the location of our anatomy, you never really see it. It's not like, um, you know, every time you pee or something, if you have a penis, you're probably going to have a pretty good look at your penis. Whenever you're changing, whenever you're peeing, all of that. Whereas when you have a vulva, you barely see it properly at all, right? I mean, it is difficult to get a... Many people don't realize they don't menstruate from the same opening that they urinate from. Like, they don't even... You know, you just... Many people don't know yeah. what's going on. So it's a good thing to, to familiarize yourself with it. With a hand mirror, you can Google a diagram, a label a diagram of the vulva to figure out what is what. Um, I think that masturbation can really be a gateway to knowledge about your own pleasure, But if it's not something you want to do, I mean, you can take it slow and just get comfortable understanding what each part does or touching them gently or whatever. I mean, you know, it can take weeks, months, a few days, a few years. It's really everybody's on their own journey. So this doesn't have to be like a five minute process and like, voila, you know, everything there is to know. But at least it's an introduction, right? Like an introduction to your most intimate
0: parts. Yeah. Once it is a process and it will take time, but once you figure it out like like you said like you can get it done in three minutes and it's like it's like a switch it's like you found the right button this is now the code never forget the code and because so like right like that's the end goal is like you will figure it out you'll figure out what works for you and you don't have to feel ashamed for like exploring and like trying different things and whether that's alone or with a partner or with a sex toy or whatever like this idea that like you should just like naturally know what's going on, and that women—it's okay if you don't orgasm, or it's okay if you, you know, think sex is like just to have a baby, and like you're not really supposed to enjoy it. It's like no, you can have desires, and you can seek out pleasure, and you can have a really high sex drive, and like that's fine. Absolutely,
1: yeah, and I mean, I think toys are amazing. They're just like a technology that exists that I'm, that's very, very effective, particularly at the stimulation of a vulva. So I highly recommend if you are curious about masturbating and don't know where to begin. Like many people find that they have their first orgasm with a clitoral vibrator or stimulator or whatever. It's just, you know, I think it's sad that sex toys have become like almost, um, or for a while at least, I think it's changing now, but they were presented as this sort of silly, like gift, like novelty gift item for a bachelorette party or something, almost as a gag, like not, not something you're really going to use more like a, I don't know, mm-hmm. funny thing to embarrass your friend with, or something, or like this kinky, weird, like I mean, no, no shame if you have any kinks. I don't mean it that way, but you know, like
0: people would like hypersexualize.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: it wasn't something you took seriously. Actually, like it's a
1: wonderful technology, you know. It's, I mean, yeah. Would an accountant not want to use a calculator? Like, no. They're going to use lots of calculators. It's not competition. It's not like in any way taking away from a partner experience or even a manual experience with yourself. It's just this additional thing that can like make tasks easier to complete. Why not use it? You know what I mean? Without it.
0: And it's fun. So much fun. Like it's, it shouldn't be shameful. Like it's fun.
1: Exactly. And
0: like you should get excited about getting them and trying them out and maybe tell your friends all about them because <laughs> I have no boundaries. I always ask my guests, if you could leave the audience with one piece of advice um, or some words of wisdom, what would it be? Oh, how about a very practical tip? Because I think we've talked about some heavy stuff already on the uh,
1: podcast. If you haven't already, you must use lube. Lube is amazing. I think of it as like the unsung hero of more comfortable, more fun sex for everybody. And it's such an easy thing to add, right? It doesn't require you to learn anything or do anything. or like It's pretty affordable. It's like the easiest thing that you can mm-hmm. possibly do for anyone of any gender to immediately improve your sex life.
0: Yeah, I second that. Um, if people wanted to find you on social media, where could they find you? My handle on Instagram is at
1: Lisa and that's L E E Z A M A N G A L D A S. I'm also Lisa Mangaldas on YouTube, and I have a podcast on Spotify called The Sex Podcast, but it's in Hindi.
0: Perfect. All of that will be linked in the show notes below. Thanks so much for being a guest. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun chatting with you, Disha. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. You can shop my Etsy shop, DishaMazeppa Designs. Find out everything you want to know about this show at dishamazeppa.com. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email bwwpspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha mystery Mazepa. Music for the show was created by Crexwell.